0: Welcome to episode four of In Your Element, a gaming podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Adler. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest, Mr. Patrick Hickey Jr. Patrick has amassed a career spanning media, journalism, and education, and is here to talk to us about his new book, The Minds Behind the Games, Interviews with Cult and Classic Video
1: Game Developers. Patrick, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good, Matt, especially after that uh, introduction. Damn, that was good. Yeah, you like that? (laughs) Yeah, you're good, man. (laughs) I feel... uh... I feel somewhat important, like people should actually listen for like the next hour or so. You like, know, yeah. I'm hoping. Wow. So thank you. Yeah. I appreciate no you coming problem. on. Uh, why don't you take
0: a moment to uh, give the listeners a little insight into your background?
1: So I am the author of The Minds Behind the Games, interviews with Colton Classic video game developers. I'm also a former editor at NBC and national video games writer at examiner.com. I'm also the editor-in-chief of ReviewFix.com, and I am the assistant director of the journalism program at Kingsborough Community College in Brooklyn, New York. So, yeah, I've been involved in journalism for about 15 years. I've been an educator for about 12. Um, married, baby, cat, dog, your good old uh, 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 middle-class uh, upbringing. <laughs> That's yeah, me.
0: and uh, do I detect a New York accent there?
1: Yes, born and raised in uh, good old Brooklyn, New York. Uh, forget about it forget about it how's the pizza it's great um it's it's like uh i was watching family guy the other night and they had like a cutaway to uh somebody from new york like complaining about somebody else's pizza and it's totally true it's like whenever you go somewhere else you're like this is your pizza and they're like (laughs) yeah i went to chicago and i mean their deep dish is pretty good but it's it's nothing compared to nothing
0: compares to that new york slice
1: yeah that new york slice is very very good
0: I agree. I've only been to New York a few times, but every time mm-hmm. I go, it's it's a must to get pizza at every single like mom and pop shop there is.
1: Yeah, I make a habit of whenever I have friends from uh out of uh out of state, I try and get them a good slice of pizza. The guy that wrote the forward to the minds behind the games, Brett Weiss, he's an awesome video game historian and he's a solid journalist in his own right. And uh, he had never been so we walked over the Brooklyn Bridge together and then uh we went to some retro game shops and then we had to have a slice of pizza but I told him like one of the places we went to I was like it was like famous rays and there's like a thousand of them. Ooh. So I'm like I'm like this is like a six on a scale from one to ten. I just want you to know and he's like, oh it's okay. I'm like, yeah, it's okay by like you know new york standard <laughs> all so. right
0: on the record what's the best pizza out
1: there? oh man um that's a tough question <laughs> oh my god that's impossible it's like almost impossible it's like right now there's a place near my house called fratelli's and they uh they have a really good uh buffalo chicken slice that like mm. i love um and my wife gets the uh, spinach artichoke slice from there mm. so it's really good um but then there's um there's another place like not too far called Spamoni Gardens. And if you want like a square slice, yes. that's where you go for the square slice. It's like, and it's like all sauce. It's like a soggy, cheesy, oh. deep mess. It's amazing. Let's get all in there. Love it. Yep.
0: yep. Mm-hmm. I love me a good pizza. We don't have a, yep. uh, over here on the West coast, we've got some good spots. There's a, a, a spot in uh, San Diego that I used to go to called Bronx pizza, which was mm-hmm. hands down the best pizza is New York style. Of course. Yeah. Uh, Super good, but yeah, I'm out here in the desert now. Just not, not the, not the jam for pizza. Oh yeah. So. absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, before we begin, I'd like to take a moment to let you know where you can find In Your Element on social media. We've got Instagram set up over at In Your Element Podcast, Twitter at IYE Podcast, Facebook page set up over at In Your Element Podcast. Join your fellow en- elementalists on Patreon over at Patreon.com/slash In Your Element. And we've got a Discord server available exclusively for patrons to hang out and chat with myself and the community. And if you have any questions or comments, email me at inyourelementpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. I will answer your questions on the next episode of In Your Element. Let's hop into news real quick where we've got a couple stories this week. First one is Hollow Knight has swept the Nintendo eShop charts. This from over at NintendoEnthusiast.com. According to them, Hollow Knight left the competition in the dust this week on the eShop. It took first place for both download-only games and for all games in general. It makes sense that Hollow Knight is topping the charts right now. The game is currently on sale through August 27th, that's today, to celebrate Godmaster, a new free expansion. Godmaster adds new quests, boss battles, secrets to uncover, and romance options. Um, <laughs> we, we spoke briefly about Hollow Knight in last week's episode where I covered the remainder of my gaming history. I pointed out that Hollow Knight was one of the best games I've played this year on Switch and in general. Patrick, if you had a chance to check out Hollow Knight?
1: yes i absolutely have and i completely agree um i was just telling somebody one of my best friends a little while ago that he needed to pick it up today i said that it's probably one of the best non-nintendo games on the switch like third party games oh yeah um i i loved um the wonder boy remake on uh on the switch and i've kind of been fiending for that like simple, straight ahead yet deep and provocative like side scroller. Yeah. With some with some RPG elements. And like I like Dead Cells and I like there's a lot of other games that I like on there, but like there's just something about the simplicity and beauty of Hollow Knight.
0: Oh yeah. It's an incredible game. And uh when I first hopped in I, I had no idea like what the game was. I mm-hmm. just knew that it had a lot of uh praise over on the on Steam. Yep. And I was like excited to check it out. And I jumped in and I was lost at first, but it was the sense of like explora- exploration and, um mm-hmm. you know, that whole Metroidvania style, uh, which I love so much. So it's yeah. super
1: easy to get lost in that game too, which is the best part, you know? Yeah.
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. Sprawling map and everything. When I was first playing, I felt I was like 10, 10 hours in, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And uh I was like just kind of at a point where I didn't know where to go. And I looked up online and I did not want to look up anything on that game just to spoil. But I looked up online just um, a map and I accidentally saw a screenshot of the whole map. And the Uh point that I had uncovered at that uh, time 10 hours in was like maybe a quarter or a fifth of the whole map. And I was like, oh, shit, we've got a long way to go in this game. Yeah, so just a reminder, Hollow Knight sale concludes today, August twenty seventh. So make sure you check that game out. While it's on sale, I believe it is less than10 dollars right now on Steam and on the eShop. Um, the second game on the list of top selling games for the eShop is Dead Cells, which I failed to mention last week that I started playing recently. Um, I've been focusing most of my attention on finishing Octopath Traveller, uh, but I've put about five hours in a dead cell so far and loving every minute. Patrick, you mentioned you've played dead cells. Um, how far in are you?
1: Yeah, I enjoy it too. I'm only about two hours into the game, but I have to be honest, like I am, uh, completely still enthralled with uh, West of Loathing and yeah. uh, and Songbringer. Um, there's a whole bunch of like indie games that I've been playing, and then like I get, I mean, I get games to review like every day. Yeah. So I ju- I just got uh Dragon Cafe. So, oh yeah. Uh, so like I just jumped into that. So it's 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 insane. It's. Insa-
0: <laughs> That's cool, man. Yeah, I've been wanting to check out West of Loathing it looks west kind of, of cool
1: west of loathing is definitely in that it's it's a completely different game from mm-hmm. hollow knight and wonder boy but it's it's this amazing indie experience there's not a better written indie game on That's the nintendo what I've switch heard. right now it's like it's, genuinely funny writing right it's like you're in the church and you're walking by like the pews in the church and your character is going pew 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 pew, pew. <laughs> there are uh, there's a part where you're in uh this uh carnival and there's this clown and you x for a balloon and, and you x if it floats nice and then and, and the clown says they all float around here you know so <laughs> there's there's references galore it's super smart it's super funny but the combat system is deep i mean yeah. i i love it it's an amazing game
0: yeah i just found out recently it was like based on a flash game it was like yeah. an internet flash game
1: yeah oh yeah and uh you're you're gonna be the first person that finds out about this this is exclusive just to you but i also Ooh. uh in the i am writing a sequel to the minds behind the games and uh, west of loathing is actually featured in the in the second book so oh
0: man i'll have to check that out for sure i'll definitely pick yeah. up the game before then it's like okay. 11
1: dollars, right some weird price point and it's totally it's totally worth it like it's another yeah. one of those games where you will get completely lost and you're going to have to absolutely use the strategy guide at some point because there are some oh, puzzles wow. where you're where you're like how the hell am I supposed to do this and then when you you kind of like get the first hint and you won't want to you'll want to stop reading because you'll be like oh I think I could do the rest myself you know it's yeah. like it's just a really really good it's an old school rpg with with a really unique art style and yeah ama- an amazing writing.
0: It's like black so. and white and like stick figures, right? Black
1: and white, stick figured, Excellent, yes. but excellent music too. Uh, yeah, I'll def- I'll definitely it, it, check it totally out. works. Very cool.
0: Uh, rounding mm-hmm. out the list of the top eShop games for the week, uh, numbers 3 through 10 are as follows. Overcooked 2, which I'm still looking to check out, Okami HD, Minecraft, Rocket League, Stardew Valley, Mario, K- Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, Octopath Traveler, and finally arcade archives versus super mario bros so a lot of the same ones that have been on the list for a while mm-hmm. nice to see though dead cells up there and hollow knight at the very top second news item this week sony's limited edition ps4 bundle commemorating 500 million in sales went live early morning august 24th and sold out within minutes as you'd expect with only five uh excuse me 50,000 available scalpers are having a heyday selling them online for almost a thousand dollars each if you <laughs> miss your chance yeah crazy if you missed your chance to score one of these sexy translucent blue consoles, you can still purchase the limited edition dual shock four controllers up for $65 and the limited edition PlayStation gold headset for $100. And so, yeah, I actually, uh, I actually just my PlayStation gold headset kind of bit the dust. Finally, I've had it for a while. Um, it, it, you know, it's not a bad headset. It's nice. Cause it's under a hundred bucks, but there's definitely, mm-hmm. there's definitely better stuff out there. <laughs> Sure, especially in that price range. So, um, Sony's also releasing four new DualShock Four designs available September twenty fourth for sixty five dollars. They will be available in berry, blue camouflage, sunset orange, and copper. Uh, Patrick, what are your thoughts on this limited edition PS Four
1: Pro? You smell that? It? It, <laughs> like, uh, it smells like smells like Nintendo sixty four marketing. Yes, totally know, to, to today, which was fine. I mean, I had like four different. Uh, Four different color Nintendo sixty four controllers. It just now, like I I don't I really don't like care the color of the you know like yeah. I remember when I got the Switch um for my birthday last year and like uh, the the person at Toys R Us said oh we only have the black one and I I really wanted the red and the blue one mm-hmm. and I was like yeah hey, you know what I don't care I just I just want to play it. But for all those cute little teenagers and stuff, they can have <laughs> their their berry colored controllers and their copper. Like you know, listen. Yeah, I don't have sixty five bucks to to throw at a controller for a different color. You know. Yeah, right. So, see, I'm but on yeah, the other. that's still end. cool.
0: I I love the color. I love the different color waves. I uh I actually picked up the. It was like a glacier blue. It was ah. another like translucent one that came out uh like six months nice. ago. Um, but you know, it's it's one of those things that yeah, you you don't go through controllers very quickly. I mean, I've had the same launch PS4. Uh, controller that I've been using since launch, and I when I got my Pro, obviously came mm-hmm. with a new one. But I mean, you know, they can they last pretty long. So I don't know why you got to pick up controllers every so often. But yeah, I think we're we're definitely in this resurgence of the Nintendo sixty four style translucent colors. It seems a lot mm-hmm. of different a lot of different companies coming out. Hey, with listen, them
1: right now. if if like you want to uh, be trendy and do it and stuff like that, that's that's awesome, man. It's just for me. Yeah, I have, two, I have two PS4 controllers, and as long as they don't break, I ain't getting any other <laughs> one. So. That's fair. I appreciate it.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, those are just a couple new news stories I thought were interesting this past week. Let's move into the featured section for the episode, our interview with you, Patrick. Uh, so let's start with your book. Um, you recently released your new book titled The Minds Behind the Games, Interviews with Colt and Classic Video Game Developers. Tell me a little bit about your inspiration for the book.
1: So, um, I've been running uh, ReviewFix.com for about nine years, and um, I would say in about August or September of 2016, I read The 100 Greatest Video Games 1977-1987 to 1987 by uh, Brett Weiss. It's from uh, Schiffer Publishing, and it was just this really great coffee table book. Um, I had owned a ton of the games that were featured in the book. But then there was a, a lot more like I easily went out and bought 25 to 30 of the games that were featured in there that I didn't have that I didn't even know existed. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it was a really it's a really pretty um, reference book. But the thing is, Brett's writing style, it's more than a reference book because there's a lot of them out there. There's a lot of reference books out where they just kind of like describe what the game is in a, in a paragraph, this minimalist mm-hmm. writing style, you know, But but Brett wrote you know like a nice chunk of information about the gameplay systems at play like the legacy of the game and i i was just like wow this isn't this is an amazing book and i just said to myself i think i think i could do something like this mm-hmm. so um i kind of sat around for a couple of months and i didn't you know i didn't move forward with it and then uh i was at a point in my career in academics where you know I was 33 years old I had a a full-time job like my whole future was like kind of planned out for me and I was uh, my wife was pregnant and I was just like I need to do something that I've never done before um that kind of spices things up a little bit you know Mm -hmm. yeah and uh, I've been writing for so long you know like I was an editor at NBC for a while and i love my site i love review fix it's like some guys have like you know cars in their garage that they restore and some people do this i collect video games and i run an entertainment website those are like my two like babies and stuff but it's like i wanted a new adventure so i said you know like brett has brett had that that style down and i'm like I'm, i'm never going to rip somebody off so i'm like you know what um I'm going to do like an interview anthology. I'm going to reach out to these people that have made some of these games, like some of, some of the games that have affected me, not the games that were in Brett's book. And I'm going to allow them to tell their stories because one of my favorite things to do as a journalist is to interview people. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to contact as many people as I can. And I figured, you know, like 15, 20 games, a lot of pictures, like, like a thousand words, you know, a chapter, like a coffee table book, a fun coffee table book. Mm-hmm. So uh, then uh, I reached out to six different developers and uh, it was like Howard Scott Warshaw who did E.T. and Yard's Revenge, David Crane who did um, uh, Pitfall and A Boy in His Blob, um, John Van Keegan who uh, did uh, Heroes of Might and Magic, Michael Menheim who did Mutant League Football. I reached out to all these guys and I was like, you know, if half of them get back to me, then I think I have like a good start to write the book. And then ironically, within like a week, all six got back to me. So wow. I was like, Oh my God. So I, I banged out like four out of the six chapters, like as fast as I could. Yeah. And uh, so now, now we're around like Thanksgiving and uh, I sent uh pitches out to a bunch of uh, publishers and three days later, McFarland contacted me and they're like, we would love to like publish this book. However, um, we're thinking that like you're a writer, you've written a lot of like long interviews and stuff. We we don't want like short chapters. We want you to dig deeper. Um, we want you to try and get like at least uh, seventy five thousand words for this wow. book. And I'm like, I'm like, so I'm gonna need. I wanted fifteen games, ten to fifteen games. I'm gonna need like at least twenty five. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> by the end of it all, I had thirty six. And instead of wow. the book being seventy five thousand words, it was a hundred thousand words. So. I wanted to like kind of do like my homage to like brett weiss when i first started this but i ended up like just writing something completely different that's like completely unique to me so each chapter is around like 3500 words and uh it's it's like a nice like each chapter probably takes around 15 minutes to read and it Mm -hmm. just takes you inside the game and the the creator's legacy and what the game means to you know the video game industry and i mean Mm -hmm. i'm super proud of it um because I think there's a huge problem, in, especially in the video game community, where people adopt critics' opinions as their own. They'll, I mean, how many times do you, have you heard somebody say that they've played a game when they haven't? Mm-hmm. You know, it happens all the time. So I wanted to write a book where I kind of like dispelled a lot of the rumors and innuendo about classic cult and indie games and just educated, entertained, and, and informed people at the same time.
0: That that's awesome, man. Very cool. It sounds like uh, definitely something that I don't think has been really tapped into very much that, uh, you know, the gaming, the development side of the gaming industry. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's cool to really shed light on that. Um, in your book, you feature interviews, you, as you mentioned, with uh, 36 popular video game creators, including Deus Ex, Night Trap, Mortal Kombat, Wasteland and NBA Jam. Of all the games you covered and creators you spoke with, who do you think had the most interesting
1: story? That's the thing. Like I was talking to somebody about it yesterday and I was just saying, uh, I don't think there's, and it's not, I'm not the most humble person in the world. I'll be the first person to admit (laughs) it. But, um, I don't, I don't, I really don't think there's a throwaway chapter in this entire book. I think like every single person tells an interesting story. However, Mm -hmm. if I had to pick just one, um, I'm not going to pick one developer, but I'll pick one, one game and that's Mm -hmm. night trap. Um, night trap night trap got thrown under a bus run over stepped on kicked and then like thrown in the sewer uh during the whole esrb rating system creation of the mid 90s and uh it's just sad because truth be told night trap was the least violent game out of all of the games that that kind of were under the scrutiny of the united states government at the time like Mm -hmm. lethal enforcers doom um lethal enforcers doom i'm trying to think of the other games mortal Kombat, Mm -hmm. night trap is the least violent out of all of those it's just night trap has hot women in it too so it's kind (laughs) of like you know um night trap was originally also supposed to be released in like 1987 yeah so imagine imagine if super mario brothers on the nes didn't come out in 1985 it came out in 1991 people would go oh this is like an okay game but this is like nothing special Right. So Night Trap came out in 93, 94 when it was supposed to come out in 1987. Yeah. So it was if like could, way behind. Exactly. It was cheesy. It was schlocky. If you can control mm-hmm. a B-horror movie in 1987, that game would have, think about it this way, Dragon's Lair.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: People love Dragon's Lair. It's kind of like the same technology as Dragon's Lair, except it's not animated. It's live action. Mm-hmm. So this game would have been absolutely huge. But then what happened was it was originally supposed to be released on a system called the Nemo, which was a VHS-based console. Oh, wow. So what ha- yeah. So what happened was um, they were trying to sell it. And Toys R Us was like, listen, if you sell it for this much, you're going to be millionaires. But if you sell it for this much, uh, no one's going to want to buy it. So what do you want to do? And the-, the guys from Project Nemo, which was actually a Hasbro Uh, subsidiary they were and that's the thing too would hasbro make a game or a console that wasn't family friendly absolutely not it doesn't it goes against everything that that whole brand stands for right you know so Mm -hmm. the game was anything but like out there it was it was a crappy like b horror movie that was hilarious that you got to control um so anyway um so the people at hasbro opted to go for the higher price point and none of the none of the stores offered like thought that it would be you know a worthwhile product to keep in their store so that the whole system got canned it was never released and then uh five or six years later uh sega had the sega cd and uh they they offered to You know, pick up Sewer Shark, uh, Ground Zero Texas, um, Night Trap, all those full motion video games that had never seen the light before. Yeah. So so now people are playing them and they're like, oh, this is like kind of stupid. And it's like... (laughs) And at the time, though, when Night Trap was o- originally created, there was probably only about 25 people in the entire world that would be able to program a game like that. It was cutting edge technology. These guys had like almost no idea what they were doing while they were doing it. Yeah. And one of the lead programmers on the game was Rob Fulop, who programmed Missile Command. Um atlantis he programmed some of the greatest atari 2600 games of all time um david crane worked on it who was another guy another Mm -hmm. classic video game developer worked on pitfall you Mm -hmm. know um so when the game was originally released you know for the sega cd and the senate like kind of jumped down the united states government tried to destroy it rob Phillip, his girlfriend left him because of it oh wow so it's like a video game developer you're you're like a legend in your made some of the greatest games on the atari 2600 you've been working in the industry now for like 20 years you make this game it doesn't get released six years later it gets released now you're getting all this backlash your girlfriend leaves you it's like it's kind of crappy so what so what he decided to do was instead of he was like listen if i'm going to be remembered for creating like the most controversial game of all time i'm going to make something that is like so cute that no one will ever remember night trap again So he created Dogs and Cats, which those games, if you've played them, Ubisoft bought the license like ten years -hmm. ago and they've released a ton of games on like Nintendo DS and Nintendo three DS. Yeah, it's incredible. They've sold forty million combined copies. So it's always seemed like Like, they were is, everywhere. Like dogs Every little was made kid in like had the, a DS. The and... late 90s, and it was a computer game originally, oh. and kids were, like, trading their pets, like, via floppy disk. Yeah. And totally bit off of, like, Rob Phillips' right. idea. Uh, rob phillips idea and created nintendo so without night trap you wouldn't have dogs and cats and without dogs and cats you'd never have nintendo so that's the thing that's one of the reasons why i love the chapter so much because when we think of video games we don't think of people that were inspired by something else we think of people that were creating something brand new but we're we're at a really interesting point in video game Mm -hmm. history now because games are influenced by other games now the lack of originality is starting to kind of like oh yeah it it's like starting it. to become a factor in the way people design their games
0: mm-hmm. yeah because now, and now all the developers everything. growing you know growing everything's up getting games. rebooted god of war mm-hmm. tomb raider yep. uh, in recent past um resident evil i mean kind of got a semi reboot even though mm-hmm. it's going back to its roots and number two that's coming out again and yeah i mean i think we've seen that in in uh the movie theater industry too the cinemas yep. you know they're they are rehashing everything from the 80s again so mm-hmm. it's it's a cycle i think where it's interesting to see that we're at that point already in in such a young um media format with gaming but you know there's been some good stuff that's come
1: out of it too well see the thing is too there's so many more games are released than films mm, you know? yeah oh yeah so it's like the industry and the thing is though i i talked about this the other day on another podcast but I'll, we'll have a better conversation on this one um the industry has found ways to self-correct itself. So, like, the whole ESRB rating system, they, they created that so the government would stay out of their business. And now you kind of have, in the 90s and early 2000s, you had a ton of movie-based video games that just didn't sell. You had mm-hmm. games that were ported eight or nine times. Like, do we really need, like, tony hawk pro skater on like the game boy the game boy color (laughs) you know like like on a thousand different systems no we don't need it and then the thing is this put it gave developers work but they also weren't able to like leverage the technology like nobody wants to play nhl on the game boy color no you know but they released (laughs) it every year you know Right. right so that just doesn't happen anymore so the industry is a lot smarter the video game industry is a lot smarter than the movie and music industry they they Mm -hmm. kind of understand they they have their finger on the pulse Mm -hmm. a lot better than other uh other forms of media and pop culture
0: yeah cool man well was there anything about the development process specifically that surprised you
1: what about nitrat? i just in general with any of the interviews that you had these these guys i mean blood sweat and tears is is a huge understatement and um most of the games that are featured in the first book had very small development teams so we're talking some of these guys are working 20 hours a day for five or six weeks to to finish some of their games. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, they lost loved ones. They uh, mm-hmm. they they didn't spend a lot of time with friends. Uh, Matt, um, Matt Thorson, who is like he's like infamous now for for Celeste because Celeste is such an amazing game. Mm, yeah. Um he uh, he created Towerfall as well. And that's a and that's a great game. And he talks about in the chapter how it helped him like kind of come out of his shell because Towerfall is a party game, you know. But mm-hmm. um I remember when I was writing that chapter, I had needed um Matt to sign a waiver for my publisher. And uh without him signing that waiver, I couldn't feature him in the book. So we're getting to like the nitty gritty. I have like a couple of weeks to hand in my um all of my manuscript and everything, and I'm like, Matt please just sign the release like you read the chapter you liked it i contacted him via email on instagram on twitter on steam like all over the place and the reason why he wasn't answering simple he was developing celeste like he was completely locked like in wherever he was Mm -hmm. and he put he this guy Totally put his heart and soul into Celeste. And it's like, that's the reason why when you play that game, if you don't feel something, then you're a communist. You know? (laughs) Because there's there's definitely something human going on Uh, in that game. So that's that's one of the things that I learned. Like that these guys are completely unique, heart on their sleeves. It's one of the things too that I wanted to mention. I say I wrote it in the introduction that like um no none of the developers featured in the book were paid to tell their stories. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that says a lot because these guys all have wives, families, they develop games and they're they're extremely busy. But the thing is, you could be in a Starbucks with Matt Thorson sitting right next to him, a genius Mm -hmm. and not even know who he is. Right. But the thing is, if I say, um, who wrote Romeo and Juliet? You'll go, oh, Shakespeare, duh. You know, or if I say, oh, who sings Thriller? You'll go Michael Jackson. That's stupid. If I say, yeah. oh, who played Captain America in the last Avengers movie? You'll go Chris Evans. Like, come on, what's up with these easy questions? Mm-hmm. And then I say, uh, who's the creator of Grand Theft Auto? You'll go, oh, Rockstar. No, 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 no. Not who published the game. Who mm-hmm. was the guy that came up with the idea for Grand Theft Auto? You'll go, oh, man, I don't know. Right. But you but you've spent hundreds of hours of your life playing it. Yeah. Like video games, for some reason, the video game industry, these developers don't get the respect and the uh, the credit for the things that they've that they've done. And the thing is, there none of them are bitter about it
0: mm-hmm. at all.
1: You know, they just they just want to tell their stories when given the opportunity. Yeah, so that's probably like the best thing that I learned. That these guys are all super cool, and they all want to share their stories.
0: Yeah, that's incredible, and I I do feel like they kind of get the short end of the stick a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you come out with a game that's uh, overhyped. You know, you look at No Man's Sky that was uh, over over promised for a few mm-hmm. years at E3, oh, yeah. and Hello Games uh, shipped that game, um, and it was not what people expected. And those developers were getting death threats. I mean, that's uh, to me, it's like why you know, these are people at the end of the day, you have to respect the time and effort that they put in. And, you know, they went back to their studio and put their heads down and basically got that game to where everybody wanted it to be. And, Mm -hmm. you know, now everyone's singing their praises. But, uh, you know, it's it's definitely uh, you're right. They do get they don't get the credit that they deserve for sure. And these people are creating these experiences that you're spending. I mean, upwards of a hundred hours in a lot of games now. Uh, mm-hmm. And you you go to a movie and you sit down and you watch it for ninety minutes or two hours and forget about it, you know. And and it's it's done and you move on. But you you know who made that movie. You know who the actors are. And these gamers are sorry, the developers rather. Just I, I almost wonder if if we're ever going to see the point in the future where we've got. You know the video game voice actors names featured on the box as if they were actors since they're essentially they are I mean they're in their recording and everything and maybe you see the developers name on the box besides somebody
1: recognizable like Kojima you know. Um. yeah absolutely see and that's the thing too when i talk to people about like this book a lot of them will go oh well i know who made like this game and that game and i'm like and they always say kojima and they Mm -hmm. always say um like uh david jaffe you Mm -hmm. know and they always say doom and stuff and i'm like yes yes (laughs) of course yeah but yeah but i'll say something along the lines of who made gex and they'll go. (laughs) what what you mean that game on like the 3do and the playstation i'm like gex was the yeah i almost cursed i'm like yeah gex was amazing that was an amazing game that sold millions of copies on the on the 3do and the playstation one that was an amazing game and then uh, who who created crash bandicoot oh i'm like yeah see come on man and then they'll go oh yeah you're right you're right it's funny it's a funny story like um this happened a couple of weeks ago where uh, Brett Weiss, the guy that wrote the forward to my book he uh, I wrote an article for Medium just talking about why I decided to go on this whole adventure, and uh he posted it on his uh his book page because he's written about five or six video game books and he posted on the facebook page for his book series and this guy responded and he was all sarcastic i didn't know if he was being like truthful or sarcastic because you know there's no emotion detector on facebook mm-hmm. and he's just like so you're trying to tell me that there are video game developers that we don't know who they are like i call bullshit blah blah, 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 blah. so then I'm, I'm like you know what i'm not gonna say anything i'm not gonna jump in i didn't create limbo like the developer of limbo just like jumps into like every single like forum and yeah. stuff like that i'm like I'm not going to do that. And then uh, Brett was like, Well, oh, I think Patrick Hickey Jr. would disagree. And I'm like, Oh, Brett, why you get me involved <laughs> with this stuff? And, and this guy just kept talking. And he's like, So you're trying to tell me that there's somebody that could be in the video game industry for 32 years and no one knows who they are? And he put like a smiley face. And I'm like, You know, 32 is a pretty specific number, you know? Mm-hmm. So I started Googling the guy's name and I started doing a little digging and I'm like, oh my God, this guy was on development teams for like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Strider, uh, Blood Omen, Legacy of Kane. Like Mm -hmm. this guy has 32 years of video game experience. So then like I message him and I started talking to him and stuff. And now he's going to, we're going to talk about like three of his games for my sequel. Oh, that's awesome. But it's, I'm telling, he, he was being totally sarcastic. He totally understood what I was trying to say. Right. You know trying to do. So I'm I'm happy now that like people are getting to the point where they're like, yeah, we want to know more about these games. Like when I started doing these interviews, some of the first questions that I would ask these developers is, "What's wrong with the Facebook, with the uh, Wikipedia page on your game? Mm-hmm. What what information is wrong on there? Because I know there's there's wrong information on there, and uh, we would just go through stuff, and I, I that was the first goal and objective was to dispel a lot of the crappy rumors you know like et is the worst game of all time absolutely not you know absolutely not not even close to being the worst game of all time yeah you know so and it was it just you know night trap 2 night trap 2 a lot of people talk about night trap being the worst game of all time and absolutely not so just kind of trying to get to more of the truth than that that we've ever gotten to before in terms of a lot of these games finding out what really propelled like the vision behind these games and and why popular opinion is what it is
0: Mm -hmm. what was it like for you peeling back the curtain on some of these classic games
1: it's like um i'll give you some more exclusive information uh today um I got answers back from Sanders keel and he was the producer on several of the best wrestling video games of all time, like uh, WCW NWO revenge, WrestleMania 2000, WWF uh, no mercy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I grew up playing those games. I love professional wrestling. And it's like, he, he gave me answers for my, uh, for the next chapter in, in, uh, in the, in my sequel on WCW NWO revenge. And it was just like, it was like talking to the wizard of Oz. Mm -hmm. It it was like being able to like peel back the curtain, Mm -hmm. like you said, and just find out all of the things that I always wondered, like why, why wasn't Ric Flair in the game? You know, why, why did this happen? Why did that happen? Why does this happen when you do that? And at first it was cute. It was like, wow, I found out something that like probably nobody knows. And then later on, it was like, nobody in the world knows this now like hmm. i know i know that nobody in the world knows this except for yeah. like me me and and this guy and maybe like five or ten other people right and um it was amazing it was like it's probably a, away from marrying my wife and having my daughter and stuff it's like some of the greatest moments like in my life like i i when i spoke to michael brooke who was the producer on the on nhlpa 93 which is like my my favorite hockey game of all time um and nhl 94 so he he worked on both of those games um speaking to him on the phone for like an hour i got off the phone and i i, I had to like take a big deep breath and go that just happened <laughs> you know so it, yeah. it was it was amazing and it's 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 been so cool that it's like it's an experience that i don't want to end so like i have no plans to ever stop like doing this like i'm already working on a sequel and uh i plan on on releasing collections at some point like once i get like four or five books deep i would love to release like a new book like every two years that's the plan great yeah another 35 or 40 games every two years i would love uh, to
0: see going through the different eras of gaming too you know mm -hmm. starting starting back at pong and moving forward through Atari and, and NES and just moving through those eras and seeing the different technologies as they're coming forward for a lot of these developers and how they're utilizing it.
1: Absolutely. Like I, it's just so much fun. Like this whole process, it's a lot of work, but it's so, it's so much fun. And, uh, Everyone that's read it so far, like, it's got a five-star uh, rating on Amazon so far, and no one has, like, said, oh, this is shit so far, which is great. You know, oh, I'm yeah. waiting for it. I'm waiting <laughs> for it, because there's going to be somebody, which is fine, yeah. you know, but it's like, everyone so far has been pleasantly surprised, or they were like, yeah, like, after I read the introduction, I knew that, like, you weren't taking any crap, and, like, this is what you want to do, and I'm like, thank you. So, it's like, this is an experience that's, like it's something that i've always wanted to do and uh, it's given me a lot more i've always been pretty confident but it's given me a lot more confidence to the point where it, like it without this book i would not be a video game voice actor and i wouldn't be writing the story for a video game right now so it's like yeah. it's it's changed my life in a myriad of of ways it's made me a better educator you know i'm 35 years old i'm young but i've been teaching college for 12 years and now i have a book on my resume so i feel like I have a lot to offer my students, like my students, all of them, well, I'd love to write a book one day. I'm like, okay, I could teach you. I could show you how to make that happen. You know? And a couple of years ago I couldn't do that. So I just, I I feel like this book has changed my life in so many like fantastic ways.
0: That's awesome, man. So Patrick, where do you find a lot of the developers got their
1: inspiration for their titles? Uh, It's interesting because a lot of them uh, featured in the book, they, um, they created games when there were no other games to serve as inspiration. So, a lot of mm-hmm. these guys were creating games based on films that they enjoyed and films that they enjoyed, books that they enjoyed, music that they enjoyed. And just they basically focused more on tone and the way they wanted the game to make you feel rather than copying or emulating a game that had already come out so it's pretty interesting Mm -hmm. it's like uh michael menheim who um created mutant league football will tell you that you know chicago bears football in the 70s and the 80s and monster movies were a huge inspiration for mutant league uh, football and Mm -hmm. howard scott warshaw was a like a a massive like uh, computer geek and uh was into like micro uh microprocessing and stuff and and there was a job at Atari and he was a super creative guy as well. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to take a crack at this and I'm going to see like, if I can do this, there was no, there was no real like handbook on how to do this. It's like, Oh, you know what? I'm going to make these characters uh, fly around the screen. So a lot of the guys that are featured in the book, they they were the ones that came up with, uh, with these ideas on their own. And, but at Mm -hmm. the same time too, pop culture Pop culture will always find a way, you know, like um, I'm sure there are times that you've played a game and it made you think of music or it made you think of a movie or something like that. It's like pop culture just has a way, you know, other other um, forms of art always have a way of influencing like something that we're trying to do, attitude, style, things like that. So just because there wasn't, you know, a, a bevy of games to choose from to get inspiration doesn't mean that there wasn't inspiration to be had
0: Mm mm-hmm that's very true um during the book writing itself did Mm -hmm. you have any interviews that you
1: had to cut that didn't make the final book no um well the thing was there was a couple of people that um i wanted to 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 feature and they kind of like disappeared um alan mcneil who did berserk for the arcade Mm -hmm. and the atari 2600 that's that's an excellent like third person shooter for the atari 2600 and the computer um two people actually passed away while playing it, um, it's got an amazing backstory, and uh, it was one of the first games to ever feature like like real voice acting. Um, mm. It was like kind of like the king of the arcades before Pac-Man came out. Once Pac-Man came around, it just like kind of killed everything else that was out at the time. But um, yeah. I sent him questions, and he just like kind of disappeared. The hope is that I could try and get him for the sequel. Um, his, yeah, his email doesn't even work anymore. The email that that I was sending him emails to like his mother was very um, sick and she was elderly. So I hope everything's okay with him. But, um, so there was that. And then I wanted to get Donna Bailey, who was one of the, uh, one of the creators of centipede. Um, and she was one of the only women working at Atari during their Mm -hmm. heyday, but she, uh, she's just retired and I'm pretty sure she's working on a uh, memoir. So it makes sense that, that she wouldn't want to talk to me. Like, why would she give me her story when, uh, you know when she could tell it tell it herself so, <laughs> right but, she's like you know
0: i'll, I'll do this myself <laughs>
1: yeah so but yeah no uh that that's the thing too that was cool because it's like with journalism journalism is weird in the sense because it's not that you're not telling the whole story you're telling you're telling as much of the story as you possibly can but you have these limits like with word count and you know mm-hmm. an angle and like what your editor wants and what you're trying to tell what 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 side of the story you're trying to tell and this and that and um Being able to put this this book together, I basically came to the conclusion that I was going to use everything that they gave me, you Mm -hmm. know? So there, there was very little that like, that didn't get used, which was great. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's awesome.
0: Mm -hmm. So you've got this extensive, uh, I mean, you mentioned having run review fix for nine years. Mm -hmm. You've got this extensive uh, history of just games that you've played good Mm -hmm. and bad and everything in between. What are some of the games that you grew up playing that you remember from your childhood that really um, stood out?
1: Definitely like Super Mario Brothers, um Contra, Castlevania, Legend of Zelda, Wonder Boy and Monster Land, like uh the Sega Genesis and the Nintendo were, you know, like staples in my house and Yeah. So just like side scrolling uh uh platformers, beat ups like Streets of Rage and Old oh, yeah. Beast, Golden Axe, um Toe Jam and Earl like but then that's the thing like I had a dad that was really into the military and like you know planes and stuff so I played a lot of Desert Strike and um, River Raid and I, I played I played everything and I love sports games so I'm like the NHL series is probably one of my favorite series of all time mm-hmm. so uh, I I played I played a lot of different games at a super super young age
0: yeah that's awesome Grown up young with the mm-hmm. games
1: absolutely that's the way to do it man <laughs>
0: yep uh are you gonna introduce your daughter into gaming
1: uh absolutely like on my instagram yesterday she was playing she's uh she just turned a year and a half today yeah so um she was playing donkey kong land 2 on the original game boy um yesterday oh, that's
0: awesome so yeah.
1: uh, and i have a custom uh original game boy it's like it's like black with white silicon buttons backlit screen it's like Ooh. uh it's super sexy and uh yeah yeah and she was playing that yesterday she she plays um uh, my uh my what's it called uh, my game boy advance uh mm-hmm. the, the small the clamshell one um the sp the sp yeah um she yeah. plays that from time to time she's getting used to like the buttons like mm-hmm. uh, like oh wow i, I press this button and then the character does this so she's definitely gonna play games she already like if you give her an uh an iphone she knows how to like get to youtube Oh yeah. Yeah. So she's super. That's ingrained in in uh, their, mm -hmm. in their like (laughs) DNA now. (laughs) Yeah. So I totally, I totally want her to play and she's going to totally get a crash course in, uh, in the best and the worst, you know? So I have a nine year old nephew and a 15 year old nephew and they, they they've been, they have been schooled. Yeah. So so that's, that's kind of like the, the, one of the things that I can give to my, uh, to, to my, my relatives that not a lot yeah. of people can
0: oh for sure i think it's such a cool time that we're in now where you know people uh grew up with games now are having their own kids and really passing that legacy on yeah so i'm excited for one day for that uh legacy to pass on in my family too absolutely. what about some of what about the recent years what are some of your favorite
1: games in recent years in recent years um let's see celeste absolutely mm-hmm. um the Fallout series. I love Fallout 3, Fallout New Vegas, Fallout 4. Um all all three of those games have like special places mm-hmm. in my heart just because like they just allow you they just allow you to escape and become something completely different, you know?
0: <laughs> sure. Yeah. They're,
1: they're just a lot of fun. Um trying to think of what else like i said the nhl series i basically have every nhl game from ea sports that's ever been <laughs> like created i was a huge fan of the nhl faceoff series on the original playstation I had all of those um was that the
0: arcadey one
1: no 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 that that's nhl hits oh that's right I and that's a that. that's a great game too that's a great series yeah. too they released yeah. a few of those um i'm a huge pokemon fan i get a lot of flack for it but um i've been playing pokemon games again since since they were since they were available you know like Mm i i i had uh i ran a video game i used to run video game tournaments all the time at this video game store near my house and we had a original pokemon red tournament that i announced like two months before to give like everybody like ample opportunity to uh train and create a team so that was Mm -hmm. a lot of fun um yeah, I love I love Pokemon. I cannot wait for it to come out on Switch. Um, oh, me too. It's I'm not so going to be, it's not going to be the same because I mean, linking Pokemon Go. I don't know if that was the right decision, but yeah, um, I'm still going to play it regardless. Same. But, uh, I I I really would love to like have you know, the Pokemon that I've I've had for ten, fifteen years from the DS that that mm-hmm. found their way to the three D S find their way onto my Switch, but I don't know if that's ever gonna happen. So
0: I think probably next year. Yeah. It sounds like the mm-hmm. more core game that they're putting out next gen. Yeah. Uh, or next year rather should be. Hopefully we'll be able to get everything from like the Pokemon bank and yes, it all
1: in. That's what I want. So um so mm-hmm. yeah, Pokemon NHL, Fallout, Celeste, um Trying to think of what else that I've played a lot of. I I really like unique games. I like games that are different. Games that try and do things mm-hmm. different. I remember when Phoenix Wright first came out. Yes. I was just like, this is really freaking cool. Like, um, or um, like Fire Pro Wrestling, just because that's that's a wrestling game that's just like that you're going to lose like ninety percent of the time. Like mm-hmm. it's just it's so hard and it's so strategic and it's so different from the WWE games at 2k releases now where it's all about like flash and, and creating the recreating the TV experience and stuff like that when you know the fire pro wrestling games are about just like having really long like chess like matches so mm-hmm. that's the thing I, I like games that try and do that games that try and do lots of different things
0: that's awesome yeah, I am I found more and more over the years, I've gravitated more towards indie games just because it seems like the indie developers are really trying to push the envelope a bit more than yes. the AAA studios that mm-hmm. have these big budgets and they've got shareholders they have to please. And so you get these really safe games from a lot of the AAA studios that the indie developers don't, they don't have shareholders to please. So Absolutely. they put out a passionate project and those tend to last a lot longer with me
1: it's one of my problems too that i have with video game journalism too is that like all these AAA companies are like bankrolling all of these big you know video game journalism websites they're they're placing million dollars worth of ads so like if a game comes out and it gets like a six that game's not really a six that game is like a four but they mm-hmm. but they don't want to lose their ad revenue so you know it's like indie games take a lot more risks they have a lot more to lose a lot of the people making these indie games are bankrolling themselves and hoping and praying for a big you know a big shot and a big chance to make it so mm-hmm. i have a lot more uh trust in the indie game community now than i yeah. do in AAA games but then at the same time too like again um, there are some amazing AAA gaming companies out there. Like I, a lot of people talk crap about them for the microtransactions and stuff. But every year EA releases an awesome Madden, you know, mm-hmm. and like yeah. the, the NHL series is one of uh, every year. There's something different that's in there that they improve upon the core gameplay and uh, Insomniac. I mean, those guys make amazing games the last god of war that just came out I i thought it was amazing you know so oh, yeah there's a lot of um, Ubisoft makes the prettiest games you know yeah. like just visually and, and they've been that way for almost thirty years now from like Rayman they've made beautiful oh, yeah. beautiful games so yeah I, I don't have anything per se against triple a uh companies I just feel like like you nailed it right on the head when you said that they don't they don't take nearly as many chances as they Mm -hmm. as they should because they have they have a lot more to lose than you know they have millions of dollars to lose and thousands of people's jobs to lose when indie gamers just have like you know you know their livelihood (laughs)
0: Uh, i've noticed a a recent trend a lot of triple a companies are Basically, birthing their own indie companies within, yeah, um, to kind of create those experiences, but mm-hmm. giving the AAA budget. I know uh, Square oh. Enix put together. What was it like? Uh, Tokyo RPG Studio or Japan RPG yeah. Studio? Yeah, I forgot the name, and that's what they pu- published. Uh, I am Setsuna under, um, and EA's put together a couple indie teams, and Ubisoft has a you know global teams all over the place, but a yeah. lot of smaller companies um within them focusing on those smaller indie titles those i'm interested in seeing um like unravel did you mm-hmm. play unravel from EA? no
1: no i haven't played it yet
0: that's a i mean it came out a couple of years ago they just put a sequel out recently but uh, it's like this uh beautiful like a yarn thing
1: oh, wow. like
0: a little yarn guy that you're controlling and you've got the uh, mechanic of like being able to like unwind yourself and use it kind of as like a a grappling hook type thing to get over ledges and it's just basic platforming, wow. but really like a different type of game that you wouldn't see from EA. Mm-hmm. So kind of cool. I'm, I'm glad to see that there there's, you know, the main big games are going to be the safer titles, but uh, they're still trying to push the boundaries in certain areas. So that's, I'm all about that. Same here. Same here. So Patrick, I've got a tough one for you. If you had to take one console and head to a
1: desert Island, what would it be? Oh, that's such an impossible question. But I have <laughs> to say that um I have uh, every console that I've ever uh, owned in my entire life. I've never gotten rid of anything that I've ever purchased uh, probably oh, since wow. like the uh since the age of 14. So, wow. Yeah. Ever since I started working, I promised I wasn't going to be one of those kids that uh I would just see all these disillusioned faces in GameStop, you know, like Yeah these kids selling away their entire childhood and i every time i go to gamestop and i see a kid trading in like a ton of games i tell them like listen you may not think that uh you're ever gonna like want to play these games again but i promise you that you will and you're making a oh, yeah. mistake and the people at gamestop are like no shut up, <laughs> shut up so
0: i regret every time i've had to trade in because uh when i was younger i pretty much had to trade my consoles in to pay for the next one yeah um you mm-hmm. know my parents were teaching me responsibility and all that so
1: yeah
0: uh, between that and having like a very small allowance it was uh necessary for me to be able to upgrade but man i i would kill to go back and play some of those older consoles i was I had. in
1: i was in the same exact spot like i was like lower middle class growing up like I, my genesis i used to play in my room on a black and white tv like i didn't know sonic was blue you know? <laughs> um like we weren't even poor we were po like we couldn't afford like like, the o and the r you know Um, and that's one of the reasons why like um the game boy was always so important to me as a kid because i could take it with me and like Mm -hmm. i had tetris and tetris was like i could there was like really like no way to beat tetris i remember the first time that i beat it i was just like all right so i guess i'm just gonna play again you know like uh (laughs) And then like Super Mario Land was an amazing game. Kirby and then like Pokemon changed it for me. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's yeah. just like I have so many memories on that uh on that console. The Castlevania on that console is great. Uh the Bugs Bunny puzzle game is great on that game. Like Bugs Bunny, like uh Crazy Castle, such a good game. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. so many excellent games on the original Game Boy. Um there's some good sports games on there. Um that okay. there's a reason why that's one of the most like what that's one of the top selling systems of all time because they just yeah. did so many things right with that console so yeah if i had to pick one it would probably be i'm gonna catch a lot of flack and i am a huge huge uh supporter of the original playstation and playstation 2 and the xbox 360 and the super nintendo like i think these are mm-hmm. all amazing consoles but like if i'm stuck on a desert island one i'm not gonna have any power so i'm yeah, gonna, that's, I'm, that's gonna I'm going to need a a handheld console and Nothing against the Vita, uh, nothing against the uh, PSP or the, you know, the N-Gage or the Lynx or any of those other handheld consoles. But as far as I'm concerned, the original Game Boy did it better than anybody else.
0: That's fair. Mm-hmm. That's uh, I, I I almost feel like I would go with probably like a Game Boy Advance just to kind of be able to play the best of both worlds. Well, see, you're, the, now
1: you're I like mean, a cheater because now, I know. Yeah, I mean, you're right. <laughs> that's not a purist. Uh- mm-hmm. <laughs> have so to you, know what? you know what? You know what we're gonna do? I'm gonna change my answer then too. I'm, I'm gonna okay. go with my with my my Spider-Man uh Game Boy Advance uh SP. Alright. So this That's way fair. I, this way I could play I could play Fire Pro Wrestling on the Game Boy Advance uh and I can play the original Pokemon on the Game Boy. And I could keep it well protected because of the clamshell design and it would hold yep. a nice charge for like eight hours. So and you could play at night. You got the backlit screen. Yes. Yes. But see my Game Boy, my Game Boy has a backlit screen. So. so all my, right. My, my, uh, <laughs> my, my uh, Frankenstein uh, Game Boy. <laughs> so. All
0: right. I got one more tough question for you. Yeah, sure. Sure. If you had to pick your top five games oh. of all time, I know mm-hmm. you knew it was coming at some point. I mean, you've yeah. got this vast history and collection. So sure. top five games
1: of all time, what would they be? uh NHL 94 Pokemon Red Final Fantasy 7 um Fallout 3 and Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3
0: number 3 yeah
1: that's just okay. for, for me that was the one that it all came together like I liked 1 and 2 yeah but 3 on the PlayStation 2, just something. Yeah. It just, like, everything clicked. It was like, I played, I love Tony Hawk 2 on the original Xbox. Oh, okay. It was really good on the original Xbox, but I feel like on the PlayStation, like, it wasn't, it wasn't where it needed to be yet. And for some reason, like, everything just clicked for Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3.
0: Yeah, I do remember playing that. That was, like, the first next-gen version of Tony Hawk yes, and you're yes. just blown away by the visuals. I remember looking back on it now, I'm sure it looks like garbage, but mm-hmm. at the time I was like, wow, this is the most realistic thing I've ever seen. I'm never yeah. going to see anything better. Um, interesting thing I did with Tony Hawk that um, probably not very many people did, uh, the original Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, I hooked up the one of those Dance Dance Revolution mats and uh, oh, played, wow. with, played with that. So <laughs> it almost felt like, like you're – Man, it was like breakdancing, honestly, because you're you're getting down and you're trying to do these combos, holding two buttons at once and holding the arrows. Um, wow. And then when you're, when, <laughs> my buddy and I were just like, let's see if this works. You know, all these people trying to beat Dark Souls these days with like Guitar Hero controllers. Try playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater and actually doing it. You know, you're, you're in there pressing the buttons and you're like skating when you're up, but then you got to like drop down and you're like playing Twister when you're trying to do these tricks. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy yeah.
1: yeah
0: i know i don't know uh why we tried that but it worked and did you uh, have the uh
1: the premium
0: uh, no, mat no, or... no, i had those shitty like fold up plastic ones that, yeah. that got wrinkled and playing on carpet so you you know you're all, always moving around on there
1: i was hardcore man i had uh i still have it it's behind, but it's like behind a shelf right now in my man cave because i haven't played dance revolution in like 10 years but like yeah. i splurged on like the really good mat <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, the metal, metal
1: one. Oh my god, not the metal one. It was like the in between oh. one. It was like the the foam that like the kids. Oh
0: yes, but yes, it,
1: yes. And you have to zipper. You have to like put the foam in and then zipper it closed. Yeah, that that was a really good mat. That was totally worth like the eighty or a hundred bucks that I spent on yes. it. Yes. But now, <laughs> oh my god, my wife is gonna kill me. But now, like after this is over, I'm definitely gonna have to try it. Bust it out, man. Tony, Tony Hawk <laughs> on that mat. Oh my god, it's
0: fun. Honestly, you're a madman. <laughs> <You're, yeah.
1: laughs> um
0: taking it back to your book for a moment Uh um and after speaking with so many of these game creators would you yourself ever consider becoming involved with the
1: development process of a title well see the thing that's that's the thing that's so funny because uh i'm actually writing the story for a game right now uh the name of the game is treason in space and i'm working alongside designers that have uh and developers and animators that have worked on games like uh gladius uh bioshock infinite uh sunset overdrive god of war madden 18 overwatch like so wow yeah i'm i'm living the dream and uh so uh, we got off a conference call a couple weeks ago and the uh engineer um jeffrey paulcat who's awesome and his brother uh pete paulcat they're like the main like developers of this game and uh i could say that it's basically like a combination of like you ever play the Alien games, like the Light Gun games in the arcade? Mm-mm, no, they're freaking frenetic and scary as hell. Um, it's like yeah, the, the enemies just don't stop coming. It's like if Contra had a baby with like Battlestar Galactica and Alien. Like that's oh, what geez. that's what this game is. It's like it's yeah. like a seventies like sci-fi like corridor shooter it's it's really cool and i'm writing the story for it and uh after we got off a conference call like a two-hour conferencing call like just working out like the finer points of the plot and stuff like that um jeffrey was like all right this is what you're gonna do you're gonna go on unity.com and you're gonna download this and you're, then you're gonna download source tree and then you're gonna do this and it was like 25 minutes and then now i have access to the game as he's developing it and i'm like dude i like i feel like a wow. i feel like a developer now and he goes dude you are he's like you are so cool man yeah Yeah. so it's like if you would have told me a year ago that I would have been like that this would have been the uh, the situation I would have told you that you were absolutely crazy right Um, but that's exactly what happened it's like I I went from a video game uh, journal a a journalist that covered the video game industry to a, a guy that wrote a book about the video game industry to first a voice actor and yeah. and then uh, then a story, a story editor, then a voice actor, and now I'm writing, I'm writing the story for a game, and like I have like a huge hand in the development of this game, and uh, I am super happy about it. Yeah. So that's we, such
0: a crucial position for a game itself. I mean, creating the story because everything revolves around it.
1: Yeah, if you guys are more interested, you could find out more about the game on uh, treasoninspace dot uh, Pete and Jeffrey Puckett they they uh, they post stuff on the the blog all the time for the game, like uh, how development is going. We're pretty like we're only like a couple of uh, months into development, but um, it's gonna be a really unique first person shooter that like really leverages like solid animation and mm-hmm. good story, which is usually not the case with a lot of first person shooters a lot of first person shooters are like mainly about gunplay which yeah. uh- I mean, this game is totally going to have excellent gunplay, but mm-hmm. it's going to have a super solid story. Like I said, I'm not a humble person, um, <laughs> and but um, it's going to have really good animation too. Like I have to say, to Pete uh, Paquette is a super talented animator. He's worked on um, movies like uh, Rio and Robots, and uh, oh wow, yeah, and uh, Ice Age. So like, yeah. this is this is a, an indie game with a total like triple a team and me <laughs> so uh, there you go man rounding it so, yeah. out so yeah That's it's cool uh, it's a lot of fun
0: i'm excited to check that out um so you mentioned you've done voiceover work for characters too in a number mm-hmm. of video games what drew you to voice acting
1: uh, it's funny because it's like i'm always on twitter i'm always looking for like that next like hot indie game And uh, I'm always using hashtags and looking stuff up, so I came across this game called The Padre, and it looked Mm -hmm. like Minecraft. It kind of reminded me of, like, Minecraft and, like, Castlevania. And uh, there's this priest, and it was, like, a gif online, and this priest is, like, walking through, like, this forest, and, like, the tree came alive and, like, slapped him, you know? And it was a really cool little like quick gif so or gif whatever you want to call it and uh so i emailed the developers and i'm like guys i'd love to interview you for reviewfix.com mm-hmm. so we did the interview and it came out good and it got good traffic and stuff and the guys were happy and i was like the first person to ever uh interview them and they were like do you want to try the game and it was it was an alpha uh not an alpha in beta um so as soon as i started playing it i realized that it was it was like kind of like a spiritual successor to uh the alone in the dark series really mm, cool okay. yeah really cool game in its own right and uh mm-hmm. but I noticed that that th- these guys are from Budapest, and uh their English wasn't great, and the fact that it's a- po- it was a point it's a point and click survival horror game uh mm-hmm. story is everything you know oh, yeah. if there's if there's errors in the dialogue and stuff like that, people are going to go, oh my god, it it's so it's so exposed, you know. Right. So I offered to, um, to edit the game, like to edit the, uh, the dialogue for the game. And, uh, they said yes. And we came up with a price. So now it's like, oh my God, now I'm like being paid to like work in the video game industry. So then what happened wow. was, um, I was editing dialogue for like a couple of months and it was going great. And we we're about to like launch our Kickstarter for the game and, uh, our voice actor left. So. Uh, They were like, oh, man, we need a we need a voice actor. So then I was like, well, I'm like, I can do it. And and they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, I can do it. And the thing is, uh, Alexander, Father Alexander, the Padre, he's he's like this British guy. And he's kind of like he's not a very happy priest, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, like he's pretty like grumbly and, and grouchy and stuff like that. And the guy's voice was very Russell Brandy you know it was like oh, yeah. hey, I'm like a wacky englishman you know and yeah it just it didn't match the dark somber tone of the game you know yeah yeah so i went into my man cave and i'm like all right i got to like pull a voice out for these guys so i've i've been a really big fan of don lafontaine and uh pablo francisco for a really long time and they they do that dark like that deep movie uh trailer voice like in a world one man robert de niro you know blah blah rated pg-13 like that voice yeah yeah yeah. and um i'm like i can't do that because that would just be like a joke so so, so i'm like i need to like add and that English flavor that that guy had. So then our, our bloody came up with this this voice, Alexander the Padre. I am a, a zombie hunting priest, and I sent the video the, the audio over to you know the developers, and they just they loved it. They ate it up. And uh, oh, I love that. You know, all of a sudden they're like, all right, give us like forty five minutes, and uh, yeah. they they threw it in the game.
0: That's awesome, man
1: and and so now that 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 was in October of last year. Yeah. so now
0: yeah,
1: um the game's out on Steam there's a bunch of other plans like on the horizon um for the game so it's like I can't I'm not at liberty to tell yet, but like uh it's available yeah. on Steam now. it's a lot of fun. they're adding uh controller support to the game so if you don't want like the classic point and click experience they're uh they're adding controller support and it works great um so then after that happened, it's like. I'm story editing, I'm doing voice acting, I'm promoting my book and um I didn't want to be a one hit wonder. So yeah. there was this game that came out called Relentless Rex and uh it was being developed and the game looks so freaking pretty. Like Matt, it looked like um it looked like Rayman had like a baby with like the original like Wonder Boy on like TurboGrafx yeah. 16. It was just oh, a stupid. Scoop- yeah, so yeah. so like it's basically like a runner where like Mm -hmm. you play this cute little dinosaur and you're running from this massive T-Rex. So, um, the guy that created the game, Kevin wins. He drew every frame of animation in the game. Wow. Like this guy is mega talented. Um, -hmm. and I saw, I was following him on Twitter and Instagram again, Twitter. Um, and i was basically busting his chops i'm like dude like if you need a voice for rex i can do it and he was posting things about like how he would love to have kevin michael richardson do do a voice do the voice for rex and blah 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 So yeah. i was like dude let me let me do the voice and he's like oh listen i would feel bad if 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 like what you gave me wasn't good and like i don't want to i'm like no, no no listen i'm like i've only auditioned for one role and i got it i'm like my head is like <laughs> Way too big, I need to either be told, no, like don't do this anymore, or no, you're good, like da 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 so yeah. he he gave me a whole bunch of things to read, and again, I went back in the man cave, and I'm like, All right, can't do the padre, so I gotta come up with another voice, so I love Kevin Michael Richardson, I think he's an amazing voice actor, and uh I listened to him do Shredder from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, yeah, and I'm like, that's Rex, but with something else, I'm like it needs something else. So uh I just decided to like kind of merge Kevin Michael Richardson's Shredder with Arnold Schwarzenegger. So it's like, oh, I'm relentless Rex and I'm over here. I'm going to bite you and chew you. I am a T-Rex you puny human. Yeah, you know. And um uh, <laughs> I sent it over to Kevin and he was like, "Dude, this is really cool. Oh my god." And then next thing you know, I'm doing trailers for the game and doing the Kickstarter. Wow. Yeah. So holy crap, and, <laughs> you know? So it just worked out really good. And uh, it's funny though, because like the voice acting stuff was one thing and uh relentless uh, Rex came like last, but in between the Padre and relentless Rex, that's that's how I met people cat. Like I, I was on his podcast talking about the book and mm-hmm. at the end of the podcast, he said to me, he's like, dude, if you ever like really want to get involved with video games let me know and i'll help you make that happen wow and i was like i said it like yeah i do and he's like okay he's like we'll talk soon so i didn't know him very well so i was kind of like yeah people say shit like that all the time like oh, right. i'll help you mm-hmm. two weeks later man he messages me on facebook and he's like so you ready to like get started and i'm like what <laughs> and he's like yeah he's like he's like i'm gonna put you on a conference call with my brother and i and we're gonna tell you like our idea for this game and we want you to create the world around this idea and you can add and delete and take away like whatever you want you're characters you're gonna do everything and uh they're like we have this one idea for this one character and we want you to do the voice for that character too so I'm like oh my god so it's just it's been whirlwind and uh, if you would have told me, if you would have said to me, like, five years ago, like, if you could ever voice act, what would you want to do? And I, I would say, you know, I would just want to be, like, the NBA Jam guy. Like, boom, shaka-laka.
0: Yeah.
1: And I've interviewed that guy before, and he's an amazing guy. <laughs> yeah. um, but what happened was, a couple weeks ago, there's a game made by the Suspicious Ducks called uh, the Caillou Offensive. And it's basically, like, Rampage. Mm-hmm. uh with like gta gra- the original gta graphics it's a top down okay. it's a top down yeah. like world destroyer and uh they needed a narrator so i reached out to them and i'm like oh i do relentless rex i do you know uh p05 and uh in treason in space and i do the padre and they're like yeah we know you are i'm like what what Whoa. like so they're like what could you do and, and i told them like um i'm like i would love to be the narrator for your yeah. for your trailers and stuff and they're like okay you could do that and then uh also, too, there's like a winner and a loser screen, like in the game. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, oh my God, when somebody loses in the game, I'm like, loser, <laughs> lose. Like, and it's just, it's like old school, like arcade. Like, if you would die right. in the, game and the and I'm like, that I've come full circle, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> it's just been the last year has been so much fun. Like, I couldn't wow. have imagined that any of this stuff would ever happen. So, right. and I hope I'm it's just getting brain, started. Man.
0: Oh, for sure. Have you ever considered becoming a full-time voice actor?
1: Um, I will tell you this that like um I've been paid for all of my time that I've done. Luckily, there's mm-hmm. a lot of people that don't get paid when they first started out. I've I've been lucky that I've been paid for everything that I've done. Um, but I would say that like it's not substantial enough to to quit my full time job. Um sure. I'm I'm a full time college professor. Mm-hmm. That is a couple of months away from like uh, tenure, so uh, yeah, like I've I've busted my hump to like get where I am academically. Yeah. But the best yeah. part, the best part of like having my job in academia is that like I have summers off. I only mm-hmm. work four days a week, so it's like the reason why I'm able to write these books now and do all these and do the voice acting is because I have this amazing full-time job that like pays like my bills and my credit card bills and like helps support me, my wife, my daughter, my dog, my cat and stuff. And it's like, Mm -hmm. if, if voice acting could do that and and video games could do that, um, that's, that's a super tough question. Yeah. But it's like, I get so much gratification out of like teaching and spending time with with young minds and influencing them and things like that so but uh i think i definitely think that like um when i retire from teaching that i would still i hope this answers your question that um that when i retire from teaching that i would still actively be involved in the video game industry that's like i i hope like up until the day that I die, that I'm still involved in, in writing the stories that I've been writing and playing a part in the video game industry. So that's awesome. Two of the most important things to me right now, you know? Oh yeah. And
0: I mean, a lot of that content's on your website over at Mm reviewfix.com. Um, you're currently the editor in chief over there. Um, Mm -hmm. what types of content Do you review over there besides games?
1: Um, So I've done so many crazy things with that site, man. Like I've covered the Tribeca Film Festival. I've covered the Sundance Film Festival. um, I've covered Comic-Con before, uh, just to to rattle off some of the people that I've interviewed on that site. Um, Let's see, Channing Tatum, uh, Paul Walker, Philip Seymour Hoffman, um, like uh, tons of musicians, Uh, Rex, Rex Brown, from uh he's from down this uh mark tremonti from creed um i've in- i've interviewed so many people that like i'd never ever thought i'd get an opportunity mark mothersball the lead singer of devo who also wrote like oh, wow. the he wrote the theme song to the rugrats um, um really yeah yeah i didn't know that yes absolutely he also did the music for happy gilmore too no way what? yeah <laughs> yeah um I'm trying to think of who else. But, like, that's the thing. It's, like, I've interviewed... I've had an opportunity to... to I've interviewed the creators of the Ninja Turtles. Uh, Tommy from the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers on Review Fix. Yeah. Like, I've had this opportunity to interview uh, Dana Snyder from Aqua Teen Hunger Force, who plays Master Shake. Like, I've had yeah. so many cool opportunities because of the site. And it was just... I remember I was covering minor league baseball and minor league hockey at the time and I was in a relationship that was like just kind of like crashing and burning and I was seeing myself having a lot more spare time and mm-hmm. I'm like you know what like I'm teaching during the day and covering hockey and baseball at night which I loved but I'm like I need something else and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start an entertainment website. I'm like, I have all these video games, all of these books, all of this music. Like, I have this wealth of knowledge that I want to share. And the best part of Review Fix is, like, I've published over 350 people, many of them for the first time on the site. And uh, mm-hmm. a lot of them are my students, but a lot of them are former colleagues or current colleagues. So it's like, it's great because, I mean, I have friends that will go, oh, I'm going to see a play. Like, can I review it? And I'm like, well. I can get you in for free. So cancel your tickets and like, we'll get you in. We'll do it the right boom. way. And boom, yeah. you know? So it's like, it's review fixes like this amazing, like toy that I have. Mm-hmm. I haven't paid for like a video game, music, comic books, or like to see a play in like almost 10 years, you know? Oh, so
0: That's so cool. Yeah. That's the dream for sure. Mm-hmm. What are some of your
1: favorite topics that you cover on the website? Uh, probably professional wrestling. Um, I love professional wrestling. Um it's not nearly as good now as it used to be. But um I just love interacting with uh with people on Facebook and on my on my personal page because they know that I watch like a ton of professional wrestling. Um <laughs> and it gets good traffic on the site. Professional wrestling yeah. and like indie games um are like two of the things that I enjoy covering the most. But like I've been getting into a lot of author interviews lately. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been interviewing a lot of authors because I that's the thing too I want to try and tap into people's minds that do that for a living because obviously that's something that I want to do now for the rest of my life so I'm trying to like learn through interviewing and that's the funny part too because it's like I told people cat the other day um it's like I I feel like I'm more than just a a writer like for Mm -hmm. the game I feel like I've played so many games that like I could be like their tester in a way or like I could say you know, like, we're having this problem in this game that sounds a lot like a problem that this developer had, because, like, I'm, like, a a video game historian at the same time, too, so it's, like, I feel like all of this stuff leading up to this point has, like, prepared me to be, like, one of those, like, sleeper members of, like, a Mm -hmm. development team, like, that guy that, like, people would think, oh, yeah, he's not that important, but then he plays, like, a role because he has, like, all of these, like, the sum, I'm, my, my overall, like, worth isn't equal to the sum of my parts, you know? Mm Mm-hmm oh so, sure so yeah so like i feel like uh yeah <laughs> i don't know awesome. if I answered your question
0: it absolutely did yeah. yeah um so you've also had your work published on some big websites like the new york times the new york daily news yahoo and more what's it like having your work published on a major website versus creating your own content on your own website at review fix
1: i would say that like some of the greatest moments of my journalism career were um, like i was an editor at nbc for two and a half years. And uh, I was an editor – I was their night weekend editor. So, like, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, uh, like, from 4 o'clock in the afternoon to, like, 1 o'clock in the morning, I was, like, the main editor at NBC Local Integrated Media. So, like, we're talking, like, NFL playoffs, like, Super Bowls, Olympics, Saturday Night Live, um, like – Super crazy stuff like I was the editor on Cole when the Trayvon Martin verdict came in. I was the editor on Cole when Paul Walker died. I was the editor on Cole when Whitney Houston died. I was the editor on Cole when Philip Seymour Hoffman died. So it's like um, I learned a lot about managing like an audience managing social media managing other people so i feel like if i just had review fix it would be great but i wouldn't be able to like i wouldn't be able to help my writers get to the next level and it's like i tell my writers all the time like i don't want you to stay with me Mm
0: -hmm. like i want
1: you to write like a handful of articles so you get some good articles under your belt and then you go somewhere else you mm-hmm. know, like I want to be like the Montreal Expos of like online journalism, <laughs> you know,
0: it's prep them and then
1: push them out to prep the, them and push them out the big leagues. Yep, yeah, absolutely. And I want them to go back and be like, yeah, like uh, when people ask them the same question, like, oh, you know, what do you prefer? And they'll go, oh, yeah, well, I, I would rather work for Forbes, but I had a lot of fun writing for Pat Hickey when I first got started. And he was a bastard to me and he made me do <laughs> four or five edits to a piece. But you know what? That's the same thing that that, you know, NBC did and blah, 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 blah. So, okay. you know, that's, uh, I love writing for my own site, but like it hurts sometimes not having editors look at your stuff. Like yeah. when, when you're the only guy doing it, sometimes you make silly, stupid mistakes that like you would never, that you would never make with somebody else's work, you know? Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, I, it all goes hand in hand. Like it, I feel like if I didn't work for NBC, then review fix wouldn't be like what it is now. Like we have over 18,000 articles on the site you know, wow. and a lot of that has to do with the fact that like I learned how to be super productive when i was at nbc
0: you know yeah oh yeah yeah. i mean every time i pop over there there's like multiple new articles that are up so you guys are cranking them out over there
1: yeah it's like five to seven new articles a day you know yeah that's very cool yeah
0: um you also did previous work uh, as a national video games writer at examiner.com where you had some of your work featured in national ad campaigns for disney nintendo and ea sports
1: what was that experience like Oh, my God. Examiner was like, they don't exist anymore, so I could talk as much like crap about it as well. <laughs> but um, it was like the Wild West. So when I first started writing there, it was like, I, I remember every day I would go and see the rankings, like the page view rankings. And, and mm-hmm. the guy that was like number one was like the worst writer, like grammatically the worst writer. It's just he knew how he, he wrote very quickly, and he wrote yeah. about topical things right then i said to myself like okay if i can write quicker and i can write about topical things i can make i can get more traffic than this guy yeah and that's what i usually do like i'll go into a room and i'll see who's working the hardest and i'll say okay this is what i'm gonna have to do i'm gonna have to put Mm -hmm. a hit out on this guy you know (laughs) and um things just like started taking off for me at examiner Mm -hmm. Um, and it got to the point where like 2K paid to fly me out a couple of years um to cover like the WWE games in Los Angeles, and I was oh. going to like hotel rooms in the city to play like it's our hero live with the developers yeah. and like uh hang out with the people from the last of us, and like I had so many great opportunities there, and like the Disney Infinity people were amazing to me for you know the year and a half, two years that that game was really like you know pertinent yeah so uh and EA was amazing to me um like i i got to interview like uh, carlos conde in like in an octagon and play the game with him and stuff wow uh, tons of cool opportunities like that but it was really like it was really like the wild west
0: Mm -hmm. um
1: where like i had an editor that like did some tried to do some shady shit to me like when i first Mm -hmm. started like i reviewed like a nintendo like first party like uh party game i forgot which one it was it was like like one of the wii sports variations you know yeah yeah, it was like the winter one or something like that, and I, I gave it like three out of five stars. And then I went back like twenty minutes later in my review, the headline changed, and they gave it four stars. So what? then, I, so then I went back into the article, and I changed the headline back, and I gave it back the third the third star instead of the fourth star. And I told them that if they yeah. touched if they touched my stuff again, that I was going to blow them up online. That I was going to tell them oh, what yeah. they did and stuff. So yeah. In, in terms of like ethics and credibility, like I feel like the, the, the higher ranking people in examiner lacked a lot of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember there was one time where uh, I had gotten one of my students a job at examiner and uh, he had just graduated and I got him a job there and he was, he was making like pretty good bank. But um, th- my editor knew that like we lived, like we both lived in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Brooklyn's huge you know like brooklyn like he lived like he lived like two hours away from me you know so um he shipped out like madden 14 to me or something like that for xbox one and i I didn't have an xbox one so i'm like bro i can't play this and he goes oh well just give it to manny and i'm like first off (laughs) he lives two hours away from me and then secondly like like who are you like why, why right you know so then he's like oh well then ship it back to me and like he wanted me to pay for like the what? shipping and stuff like it was really like some there was some ghetto yeah stuff going on there you know and it's like right. at mbc like that stuff like that would never happen like i remember if like I wasn't feeling well at NBC, they would be like, "Oh, well, then just call a car and like you know put it on like our card and we'll we'll drive you home." Or blah, blah, blah. Or like, "Oh, I'm not yeah. feel- I'm not feeling well today," and they're like, "Well, can you work from home?" And I would go, "Absolutely." And they go, I right, you know what? Well, we'll email you a key fob so you can get all your work done on your home computer and stuff." Like they they like went out of their way to like take care of you. You couldn't take off because they right. they needed you, but like they they did like whatever they had to do like to make you happy while you yeah. were there examiner gave me tons of great exposure yeah but they undervalued me and thousands of other people that wrote for them so i feel like that was their big that was their big problem
0: yeah well and that's probably part of the downfall too, that's why so. they don't
1: exist anymore yeah <laughs> so.
0: everything comes around
1: yeah well
0: yeah well patrick you've worn so many hats in your career so far from professor to author to media journalist to voice actor and beyond which of those was your favorite experience
1: oof it's like uh i think just being able to say that i've done all of that you know yeah it's a lot it's not just yeah it's not just uh it's not just one you know right it's like being able to say that i did all of that stuff yeah you know and to say that i'm still that i'm still here and i'm still mentally sound Mm -hmm. and that i'm only 35 And I still have a lot more to give. I think I think that's the most important thing that that and that's the thing. One of my idols is Teddy Roosevelt. And Mm -hmm. uh, the reason why I love Teddy Roosevelt is because he was like this renaissance man. He did so many different things. So uh, I I try and emulate that in my own Brooklyn type of way. That's cool. (laughs) Yeah, I like it.
0: Is there any other field you've considered going into that you haven't touched yet?
1: I've been in bands. I was in bands when I was a teenager. I sang. Um yeah. I mean, I would love to have like a song like one day on like Spotify. That would be awesome to like search my name and find like a crappy like song <laughs> on Spotify. But um I mean throwing together? Yeah, I probably could. It would be a <laughs> lot of fun, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but um I the biggest things for me was like getting involved in the video game industry and then and and mm-hmm. writing And writing this book; those were like the two things that were like the most important to me recently that happened, Mm -hmm. you know, because it just it just changed everything. Because before it was like my friends would go, "Oh yeah, if you have a question about video games, expat," and now it's like now I have people message me that I don't even know asking me questions about video games because of the book, you know. So, Mm -hmm. so that's amazing. So,
0: yeah, man, just getting out to the community and yeah, that's great. Well, Patrick, thank you so much for your time and joining me this week on In Your Element. It's been great hearing about your illustrious career. Is there anything else you'd like to let the listeners know?
1: Yeah, I just like to say that the book is available on uh, Amazon, Target, Barnes and Noble, um, anywhere fine books are sold. You know, perfect. Um, also, yeah. if you go to my official website, uh, patrickickeyjr. dot com, um, there's actually an order button. You can order it directly from me. And I will sign it for you. I will throw in some bookmarks and autograph them. If you tell me a little bit about yourself and things that you're interested in, I always sneak um, surprises into people's books. Like I've had people from Pittsburgh and Pennsylvania order the book, and I've thrown in like some retro baseball cards and stuff like that in there or hockey cards and stuff. I had a guy – Ordered the book the other day from wisconsin and i was looking all over like my man cave for like some green bay packers swag and i i like didn't have anything i was looking for like you know a football court or something like that and mm-hmm. um so i just signed a whole bunch of bookmarks and put i put like a dozen book- signed bookmarks in there for him but um yeah you can order the book directly uh from me on com. um i'm available on review fix at uh twitter patrick Hickey jr at facebook and patrick Hickey jr on instagram and i'm always around to talk shop and talk video games and stuff like that i'm not i'm not one of those people that doesn't like to uh talk um i just want to create an experience for people to make them feel as comfortable as possible like around me and like my brand and things like yeah. that so don't ever feel don't ever be scared to uh come into my neck of the woods and talk shop with me
0: yeah man well thanks again pat it's been a pleasure if you have any questions you'd like to ask patrick reach out to him on his twitter again that's at review and if you have any questions for the show email me at the email address in your element podcast at gmail.com i'll answer your questions on the next show if you'd like me to and don't forget to subscribe to the show on whatever podcast service you use to consume in your element Also, take a moment to drop a five-star review on iTunes. It definitely helps out with discoverability for the show. Until next time, see you later, Elementalists.